0: We're going to talk about this week, almost everything we were going to talk about last week we just didn't get to, (laughs) Um, and Trace and I were talking about this, and she was like, well, you don't even need to study. You've got everything already ready for next week, and I said, well, yeah, but I want to make sure God's still saying the same thing, same thing. make sure it hasn't changed, Um, and for the most part, it hasn't. I took a few things out and put a few things in, but for the most part, I'm I'm still hearing the same thing from the Lord, and I I want to talk to you guys, and I know we've got a lot of people out, and I got a bunch of texts this morning of, of... a bunch of people that are going to be out for different reasons, and just bless them and pray for them wherever they are. It's 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 not a it's not a reflection of how incredible a preacher I am. I know that. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. But uh, but anyway, what the Lord's been speaking to me, um, and and I mentioned during worship last week was revival. And there's a lot of there's a lot of positive and negative connotations that go with revival because we've a lot of us have experienced revival. In some ways or another, some positive, some negative, some indifferent, but that's really what I feel him saying, and I, I believe it's it's not necessarily a revival in the in the way that we've traditionally seen it always, um, but it's just a reviving of, of our body um, with a sense of purpose and a focus and and a direction and in, and in studying that, and with the help of Melvin and Libby, uh, Melvin sends me emails here and there and, and they, they and if you know Melvin and Libby, you know that they're passionate about communion. And to be honest, I, I love communion, but it's never it's never been anything they've been passionate about. I've never been like like I'm really excited, or I really want to do this a lot, not that it's bad or good. I've just it just wasn't on my radar at the time. Um, I just had a lot of other things going on, but Melvin continues some emails talking about it and reminding me about it. and I was like, well, let me do a little bit of studying let me look let me look more into this And the more I did, especially in the midst of of hearing what the Lord's saying about revival, the more I saw, Lots of really cool things in it, so I'm encouraged because it's not just me. You know, the, the, we're a whole body and we're a community, and so these things are revealed to me through you guys. You guys call and text and email, and we talk, and so as that happens, I, I grow and I learn. And so what's interesting is when I was looking at communion, I kept I kept hearing the Lord talk about fasting. I said, like, "What's fasting have to do with communion?" The more I studied it, the more I saw that there are a lot. They kind of go hand in hand um, in a lot of ways, and so I want to talk to you guys today kind of, and I don't really know what to title it, I kind of started to say, what are you feeding on? And then kind of fasting and communion, but something along those lines. Um, But I hope it makes sense for you. But but first I want to talk about fasting. And when I began to study uh, about fasting, I wanted to see exactly what that meant. Well, what I found out was fasting isn't just a Christian practice. Many of you may already know that. But uh, it was before Christianity ever started, and it still goes on in other cultures. Muslims fast and they call it uh, Ramadan or something like that, and there's, they're required to do it. Like, you're not a Muslim if you don't. Know it. It's a completely different thing. The, the Christian fast is different. Now, what I think is interesting is because it was for, before Christianity, and then I see Jesus fast, I'm like, well, wait a minute. Christians fast, so where did, how does did, that all fit in? And so the first mention of fasting in the New Testament is in Luke 2.36, and it's uh, Anna's testimony, or I guess if you're from Louisiana, it's Anna's <laughs> I went to LaGrange High School, but there's LaGrange, Texas. I don't know how to pronounce A's anymore. We'll say Anna because it sounds like the, the princess. All right. 30 right. 30, don't, don't sing that song, please. Oh, no, it stuck in my head. You did it. All right. 30, Luke, Luke 2.36 says, uh, There was also a prophetess, Anna, a daughter of Phanuel of the tribe of Asher, She was well along in years, having lived with her her husband seven years after her marriage and was a widow for 84 years. She did not leave the temple complex, serving God night and day with fasting and prayers. At that very moment, she came up and began to thank God and to to speak about him and to all who were looking forward to the redemption of Jerusalem. Now, I went online. I found somebody else's uh, study, and so I'm just basically reading off of theirs, but it was interesting, and I completely agree with it. Um, And it goes along with what I was already thinking about. Um, But it says, the first mention of fasting in the New Testament is a connection... Uh, with the presentation of the infant Jesus at the temple, two godly people, Simeon and Anna, were attracted to the infant. Now, think about that. They were attracted to the infant Jesus. Anna's constant service to God is called fasting and prayers. In this instance, fasting is looked on favorably. It is said to be one way of serving God. Anna was serving night and day with fasting and prayers. There is no indication that she was required to do this. Rather, her fasting and prayers were prompted by a felt need. Perhaps she was so burdened by the so burdened that the Messiah had come that she spontaneously devoted much of her time to fasting and prayers. I find that interesting because as I began to think of some kind of analogy um, to present to you guys, I I like to work on things and tinker with things. Fred and I were talking about this morning briefly. Um, But I just recently got an old Jeep that needed some work. And so I worked on it yesterday. And in working on it, I didn't realize how long I had been working on it since I woke up really early and worked on it until, I don't know, one or two, and then realized, wait a minute, I haven't eaten anything. <laughs> I'm really hungry. But I was so consumed with what was going on in front of me that I'd completely forgotten about eating. And when I started thinking about that, I was like, that's that's how I see fasting in the New Testament. I see fasting as being focused on something so much that we neglect our other physical needs. It's not so much the fasting that other, other religions and other people do that it's more of a self-suffering um, or, or, you know, it's, it's not, I don't see that anywhere else in scripture. It doesn't seem that, like it made sense to go along with anything else. So the more I thought about that, and, and this is not just recently, but many times before that I've worked on things, sometimes from morning until like midnight and not eating anything, and then get up and feel lightheaded, like, whoa, I need to eat something. But it's because I'm so focused and driven, and you, and you guys, I'm sure, have other things that, you're more, <laughs> that you care more about than working on cars and trucks and four-wheelers and things like that, but for me, that was something that, that I would get consumed with sometimes. And so that, I really relate to that in the same way that Anna um, was just so consumed and attracted to this baby Jesus. It wasn't a requirement for her to do it, but she was so drawn to him that it was just a natural thing that she did. It was almost a, a fruit. <laughs> it was almost a byproduct of the passion that she had for Jesus. Does that make sense? And so the more I started looking at fasting, I see the next thing is Jesus fasted. Um, and what I saw was, I was like, well, what does Jesus need to fast for? And so I read before and after the whole temptations of Jesus when he fasted. Before he fasted, this is really cool. Before he fasted, you know what happened right before then? He was baptized. When he was baptized, um, when he came out of the water, the Lord said, this is my son whom I'm well pleased, and he hadn't done a thing yet. God had already said that he was well pleased in him before he had done anything. So then Jesus goes straight from there, and he goes uh, in Matthew 4, 1, and he says well, it says, Then Jesus was led up by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. After he had fasted 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. Now, it doesn't say he fasted so that he would be hungry. It just says he was hungry. He hadn't eaten in 40 days. Then the tempter approached him and said, If you're the Son of God, tell these stones to become bread. He answered, But he answered, as written, Man does not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. And we're going to get to that in a minute, too. Um, then the devil took him to the holy city had him stand on the pinnacle of the temple and said to him, If you are the Son of God, throw yourself down, for it is written, He will give give his angels orders concerning you, and they will support you with their hands so that you will not strike your foot against a stone. Jesus told him, It is also written, Do not test the Lord your God. Again the devil took him to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their splendor. And he said to him, I will give you all these things if you will fall down and worship me. Then Jesus told him, Go away, Satan, for it is written, Worship the Lord your God and serve him only. Then the devil left him, and immediately the angels came and began to serve him. Now, if you skip down to verse 18, um, right after all this is going on, uh, it says, As he was walking along the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon, who was called Peter, and his brother Andrew. They were casting a net into the sea. Since they were fishermen, follow me, he told them, and I will make you fishers of men. Immediately they left their nets and followed him. Going on from there, he saw two brothers, James and the son of Zebedee, and his brother John. They were in a boat with Zebedee their father. Mending their nets and he called them. Immediately they left their boat. And their father and followed him. Verse 23. Jesus was going all over Galilee. Teaching in the synagogues. Preaching the good news of the kingdom. And healing every sickness and disease among the people. Then the news about him spread throughout Syria. So they brought to him all those who were afflicted. Those suffering from various diseases and intense pains. The demon possessed. The epileptics. And the paralytics. And he healed them. Large crowds followed him from Galilee, uh, Decapolis, Jerusalem, Judea, and beyond the Jordan. Now, these things are all in an order here, and I see a bit of a parallel with our church. We're beginning to discover who we are. We've been talking about who we are in Christ, right? Our identity, our true identity, and who he is, and who he is to us, and who we are through him. Now, immediately after that, it's the same thing that God did to Jesus. He identified his son in whom he was pleased from the front side. We've talked about this. God calls you a bird before you can ever fly. You're a bird. We'll get to the flying part, but he's going to call you from the front side of it. That's where grace comes in. He meets you right where you are. So he's going to say, okay, this is who you are. You're purposed. You're predestined. You, you've, got a, you've got a plan. I've got a plan for your life. And we've been talking about that, have we not? And then what comes right after that? Some testing. How many of you have felt a, a little bit of testing? <laughs> I know I have. We've, we've felt some tribulations within our body. we felt some struggles and some things that we're going through. But here's what's interesting. We have a purpose. And anytime we begin to see our purpose, especially as a large body, um, we may not think we're very large, but we're a large body of believers. We begin to see and get focused on one thing. I believe that heightens the, the devil's awareness of us. We begin to become more of a threat. I really do believe that. And I believe the things that have been happening, some of the things that we're going through, is that exact same thing. Is, is we're beginning to see a little bit clearer what our purpose is in this earth. And I'm the first one to tell you, I'm, I'm discovering it more and more every day. This is my first go around as a pastor, and so I'm, I'm trying to see how this whole church thing works. I'm seeing more and more ministry and more and more long-term relationships built with other churches, with our community. We're, we're working on all these things to get this stuff going. And I know, I know the enemy sees that and is threatened by it. And he's going to begin to bring us trials and tribulations. Now... Here's what I'd like to ask you guys to do in the midst of all this. I would like us to start today a fast. Now, the same thing with a uh, revival fast has a lot of, depending on your, your tradition or what you've come up in, it, it can sound you know, legalistic or anything like that, but Jesus did it. And I believe in the way that I see it, it's not nearly as, as, uh, as much self-suffering as it is focused on something bigger than ourselves. And in fasting, what I I want to ask you, I'm not going to tell you what to fast, whether it's food or whatever. That's that's not the issue. What I'm asking you to do is fast towards something. Now, what you you give up is up to you. And and it may may not even be on on your radar what you're giving up. You may not even realize it until the end of it. But what I'm asking is that you fast towards something. And what I'm asking you to fast towards is us coming together as a community in this church and us reaching out to other people in our community and other churches. That's what I see the local body doing, and that's what I want to continue to do. And the reason I'm asking you this is because it's going to require something of you. And I don't want to sugarcoat it, (laughs) but it's going to require something of us all. We're going to have to make some sacrifices. Now, the cool thing is it's a lot of fun. It's not bad. Um, The the back-to-school bash that we did, I was not miserable (laughs) at all. We got to hang out and meet new people. We got to see the kids play and have a good time. We had good conversations. We had fun. Did we not? This isn't, a, this isn't a make yourself suffer for Christ. Christ suffered for us. This is a, let's get on board with what he's doing. And I believe when we start seeing that and you start identifying as, as someone that is, is doing something, actually moving and doing something in our community, that is a threat. And it's going to be met with resistance. And I'd be doing you a disservice if I didn't say that. And we're going to get to some people who dealt with that pretty soon. Um, now I mentioned last week revivals wherever Jesus is, right? That's where revival is. Re- revival's wherever God is and we know that God's with us. So we draw a circle around ourselves. Revival starts with you. We don't pray, I'm not asking you to pray towards a revival. I'm just asking you to see it for what it is and it's where he is and he's with us. So when we go out we're advancing the kingdom. That's that's part of revival. That's part of reviving who we are in Christ. It's a revelation. Um I went all the way back to the Old Testament. Um, In Isaiah 58, 6, it talks about fasting. It says, Is not the fast that I choose to loose the bonds of wickedness, to undo the straps of the yoke, to let the oppressed go free, to break every yoke? Is it not to share your bread with the hungry and bring the homeless poor into your house when you see the naked to cover him and not to hide yourself from your own flesh? This is what fasting is. We're fasting towards something. Traditionally, what I saw fasting was don't eat or give up something that was the emphasis right have y'all ever heard that's that's the fast that i remember people talking about okay don't eat for a month don't and 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 that's part of it i'm not saying that that won't happen but i think we've emphasized that a little a little more than we have the actual goal i don't think jesus was just fasting so that he would be hungry or that he needed to suffer i think that he was fasting because he had a greater purpose i imagine him fasting and then when he was done going in and start calling these people, I think he was probably going in to call more people in the city and he just ran into people by the water. <laughs> and he was just so on fire and with power. And it even says it I think in Luke, it says that he came with, with, with power of the Holy Spirit, and he began to call people, Hey you follow me. Hey, you follow me. And I mean they were just so attracted to him that they just followed him. They're like, Yes, we'll go. We'll forget everything we know about life and these were young men that were right in the midst of, of supporting their families and fishing and doing these things, and they're like, yes, 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 yes. Jesus had a purpose. And it said right at the end of... of, of uh, where was that? in Matthew. Right at the end of Matthew, it says he went out and they and the word spread like crazy. It spread like wildfire. They changed the world. He had a purpose. He had something that he was doing, and he was fasting for a reason. It wasn't just self-deprecation. Um, Matthew 6.16 says... When you fast, this is why I think that it's important even in the New Testament to fast. It doesn't say if. It says when you fast. Um, and it's not a commandment. He de- and I don't see anywhere in Scripture that God says you have to fast. But this is something that he, he assumes that we'll do. And so that's why I think it's more of a, of a focus than it is just a, a self-suffering thing. It says, when you fast, don't be sad-faced like the hypocrites, for they make their faces unattractive, so their fasting is obvious to people. I assure you they've got their reward. But when you fast, put oil on your head and wash your face so that you don't show your fasting to people but to show, show your Father who is in who is in secret and your Father who sees in secret will reward you. He will reward you, not might. He will reward you. Now here's what's interesting. I'm not going back into a legalistic system where we're in blessings and cursings and so you fast so that you are blessed. I believe it says He will bless you. Um, he will reward you because He is the reward. Yes. If we're seeking Him, we will see reward. If we clothe the naked and bring in the poor we will be rewarded in that how many of you have prayed for people and, and gotten more out of it than they did <laughs> I mean I can't count how many times I've prayed over someone and thought I'm so embarrassed I can't believe I'm doing this but I'm about to pray for this person Then I pray for them and I leave and I'll call Tracy because I don't want to like brag about it but I'm like I can call Tracy and tell her I'm like this is so awesome I'm excited I prayed for this person and, and it just feels really good and I don't know why I'm just really happy <laughs> um, but it brings, it brings you joy because it's fulfilling your purpose and what you're designed to do you will be rewarded. It says it right there. Not because you do it. It's just a natural product of, of walking in him. Walking in the truth. Walking in life. Real life. Zoe life. Here's another reward. I like the title of this in, uh, uh, in Holman. It says, The Cure for Anxiety. Who wants that? <laughs> Matthew 6.25 says, This is why I tell you, don't worry about your life. What you will eat or what you will drink. Heard about your body, what you'll wear. Isn't life Zoe? Now, here's something. I'm going to pause for a minute. Zoe life, we've talked about, is God's life that he gives us. It replaces our life. Bios is our life. It's where we get autobiography, autobiography from. God replaces our bios with his Zoe life. And so when he mentions life in here, that's what he's talking about, Zoe life, God's life that replaces our life. And so let's start again. This is why I tell you, don't worry about your life, bios, what you will eat, what you will drink, or about your body or what you will wear, isn't life, and he's talking about zoe life here, isn't life more than food and, and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the sky. They don't sow or reap or gather into barns, yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Aren't you worth more than that? Can any of you add a single, a single cubit? I know you all measure by cubits. cubit to, <laughs> to his height by worrying. And why do you worry about clothes? Learn how the wildflowers of the field grow. They don't labor or spin thread. Yet I tell you, not even... Not even Solomon in all his splendor was adorned like, the, like one of those. If that's how God closed the, closed the grass of the fields, which is here today and thrown in the, in the furnace tomorrow, won't he do much more for you, you of little faith? So don't worry. Everybody say that. Don't worry. Don't worry. Be happy. <laughs> say, saying, what will we eat or what will we drink or what will we wear? For the idolaters e- eagerly seek all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them. But seek first his kingdom of God. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Whose righteousness? His righteousness. And all these things might, will be provided for you. Therefore, here it is again, don't worry. (laughs) Man, that's, that's, somebody needs to hear that. (laughs) I'm one of them. Therefore, don't worry about tomorrow because tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. Now, here's what's cool about that. You could take that, and this is, if you've ever heard of Greek fatalism, like uh, whatever will be, will be. That's not what he's talking about. He's talking about don't worry because you have new life in him. You have Zoe life. Don't worry because you seek his kingdom, his righteousness. You don't have to worry because it's not about you and what you did and what you can do. It's about him and what he did, and he gives you new life. Right? So don't worry because it's not about you. (laughs) It's not about you. Now, this is where um, I feel like the Lord really brought this story, and it it didn't fit at first. I didn't know where this was going, but He kept bringing this story to mind, and I mentioned it last week. It's in Daniel three eight, um, and I see I see much clearer even this morning than I did last week of why. Now, like I said, I I, I believe that we're going. In a really, really cool direction with this church, and I'm seeing things start to happen, things that I didn't even have to do with or plan. But in doing that, I don't, I don't want to um, deceive anyone in thinking that it's all going to be easy and perfect, because it's not. But I will say that it's worth it, and I will tell you um, an, an incredible story here. Let me, let me get to this. I don't want to get ahead of myself. Daniel three eight. It says. Um, some some Chaldeans, I don't know how you pronounce that. Chaldeans sounds good to me. Chaldeans, Chaldeans, Chaldeans? 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 Chaldeans. Chaldeans. Some Calies took this occasion, I don't care. Somebody. Took this occasion to come forward and maliciously accuse the Jews. They said to the king Nebuchadnezzar, I should have if we'd had a boy, I'd have named him Nebuchadnezzar. Call him Nebi. Alright, Nebuchadnezzar, may the May the king, what well, he's a, may the king, yeah, cursing with mine. May the king, may the king live forever. You as, these suck-ups, they drive me nuts. May the king live forever. You as king have issued a decree that everyone who, who hears the sound of the horn, flute, zero, I'm like, why do they have to, why can't they just say music? Lear, harp, drum, and every kind of music <coughs> must fall down and worship the gold statue. Whoever does not fall down and worship, uh, worship will be thrown in the furnace of blazing fire. There are some Jews who have, who have appointed to manage the province of Babylon, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. These men have ignored you, the king. <laughs> they have to remind him who he is. The king. They do not serve your gods or worship the gold statue you have set up. Then in a furious rage, Nebuchadnezzar gave orders to bring Shadrach, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. So these men were brought before the king. Nebuchadnezzar asked them, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, is it true that you don't serve my gods or worship the gold statue I have set up? Now if you're ready... When you hear the sound, if you're ready. Now, if you're ready, when you hear the sound of the horn, flute, zither, zither, lyre, harp, drum, and every kind of uh, music, fall down and worship the statue I made. But if you don't worship it, you will immediately be thrown into the furnace of blazing fire. And who is this God who can rescue, rescue you from my power? <laughs> That's funny. Verse 16. <laughs> Verse 16. Shagrach, Meshach, and Abednego replied to the king, Nebuchadnezzar, we don't need to give you an answer to this question. If here, Oh, this is good. If the God we serve exists, then he can rescue us from this furnace of blazing fire. And, if he, and he can rescue us from the power of you. He mocks him in his power. The king, the king. But even if he does not rescue us, we want you as king to know that we will not serve your gods or worship the gold statue you set up. In your face, Neba, <laughs> Um. The Nebuchadnezzar was filled with rage, and the expression on his face changed toward Shadrach. <laughs> mm-hmm. I'm not happy. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. He gave orders to heat the furnace seven times more than was customary, and he commanded some of the strongest soldiers in his army to tie up Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and throw them into the furnace of blazing fire. So these men in their, in their trousers, robes, head coverings, and other clothes were tied up, thrown into the furnace of blazing fire. Since the king's command was so urgent and the furnace so extremely hot, the raging flames killed those men who carried Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego up. And these three men, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, I don't know why I have to say his name so many times, fell bound into the furnace of blazing fire. Verse 24, Then King Nebuchadnezzar jumped up in alarm, he said to his advisors, Didn't we throw three men bound into the fire? Yes, of course, Your Majesty, they replied to the king. He exclaimed, Look, I see four men unbound, loosed, walking around in the fire unharmed, and the fourth looks like the Son of God. <laughs> Nebuchadnezzar then approached the door of the furnace of the blazing fire and called Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, You servants of the Most High God, Come out. So Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego came out of the fire. When the straps satraps, sorry, not straps. When the satraps, prefects, governors, and the king's advisors gathered around, they saw that the fire had no effect on the bodies of these men, not a hair on their heads were singed, their robes were unaffected, and there was no smell of fire on them. Nebuchadnezzar exclaimed, Praise to the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. He sent his angel and rescued his servants who trusted in him. Sounds familiar to, to Jesus, doesn't it? He sent his angels down to take care of him. They violated the king's command and, and, raise, and risked their lives rather than serve or worship any god except their own god. Therefore, I issue a decree that anyone of, of any people or language who says anything offensive against the god of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego will be torn limb from limb and his house be made a garbage dump. For there is no other God who is able to deliver like this. Then the king rewarded Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego to the province of Babylon. Now, here's what's interesting. Let's see if I can back up a little bit. Verse 16, uh, when they respond, they said, uh, we don't need to give you an answer to this question. Now, why didn't they need to give an answer to this question? Because it wasn't about the king, it wasn't about him, it wasn't about the fire. It was about their God that they served. They saw the overarching issue here. It wasn't about the fire. And he turned the fire seven times hotter. And what's interesting, I think, is he didn't, God didn't turn the fire down. He didn't stop the fire. He allowed it to go seven times hotter. And what I see is God was showing his authority over the fire. He got in there with them. And I love that statement when, he, when, when Nebuchadnezzar looks up and says, didn't we throw three men in there? And I see a fourth now. Listen, that is the God we serve. He is with us. He is with us. That doesn't mean that the fire may not get seven times hotter. But what's interesting about this is we're not do we don't seek suffering. And we don't, we don't, look for it and, and, and call it out. And this is what I'm talking about fasting. We're not trying to suffer. There may be suffering in the midst of it. And I don't think it has to do as much with fasting as it has to do with persecution when it comes down to it. I think that, and, and persecution is another word that, that we don't know in as much as we think we do and with our Western mindset. We think we have world views, but for the most part we have fairly Western views. I do. And I thank, I thank God I live in America. I'm not being anti-American. But I'm just saying, we have a pretty limited perspective of a worldview because we live in America. And so, what I think is, it's not so much about us and what we go through, and as much as it is about the God that we serve. And He's bigger and He's better than any king, any election that's coming up. Listen, I'm praying for this end of this election, and I, I encourage you to vote, but I'm not going to tell you to vote for. But my hope's not in the leader of this country, and my hope is not in our government, my hope is in Christ and i encourage you to to seek that out first. But what I, I what i'm asking you guys to join me in is fasting towards something and that fasting is finding your purpose within this body and within our community and on this earth. You guys know how i feel about about heaven. We're going i'm glad we get to go to heaven, but they don't need us. <laughs> they're not waiting for us. They're good. <laughs> they're doing great. They're they're not like Hey, man, I wish they'd come visit. No, they're they're completely distracted with much bigger and better things. But there are people at your work. There are people in your schools. There are people that you run into at Walmart. Yes. Julie just ran into somebody at Walmart. Last, we had a visitor last week that she ran into at Walmart. And it's as simple as, as just having a conversation with somebody and loving them. It's not complicated. Not at all. I didn't even invite him. He there you go. Exactly. The same way, man, that's good. The same way Anna was attracted and said, there's something about this baby. I'm going to set aside my needs, my hunger, because there's something more important happening right now, and I'm attracted to it. The same way I got saved with my friend Jared. I saw something in him that was real and legitimate. And listen, you guys have that. If you're born again, you're new. You're a new creation. It's not not a, a... Added to you, it's a replacement of your BIOS life with the Zoe life, an eternal life. And by definition, eternal life starts now. <laughs> Yesterday, the day before, or whenever. Eternal life isn't just after you die, eternal life starts now. But I can't promise you that the fire won't get turned up. Sometimes it does. But I can promise you that he'll get in there with you and when you're done, you'll be loosed and you won't even smell like smoke. That's that's a good thing. So most of you, I know most of you, most of you don't struggle with this, but sometimes we do try to plug into the wrong things. and So this is kind of where I want to go with this. What are are we feeding on now? I'm not going to make this, like I said, you know we walk in grace every day. I'm not trying to turn this into a legalistic thing and tell you what you have to do. I'm asking you and encouraging you to do something. That's all this is. I believe that there's a time and purpose for fasting and time and purpose for communion and as we go through this month what I'd like to do is fast this month or at the very end of the month last Sunday we're going to have communion and we're going to talk we're, I'm going to talk more about it in the next few weeks so I can't go over it all to now but this is kind of an introduction to fasting at least and so in doing this we, we are consciously doing something in the physical that, we, we, that is happening in the spiritual in our lives that's all we're doing this is just a manifestation of what's going on in my heart personally and I hope in you guys' heart if you will join with me in this and this, this whole Zoe life thing. And I've got several scriptures here that talk about what life is about. Um, and I'll run through them. You, you don't have to look if you want to jot them down and go back. But John 6.33 says, for the, bread of, for the bread of God is the one who comes down uh, from heaven and gives life to the world. Zoe life to the world. His life. John 10.10 10 says, I have come so that they may have life and have it in abundance. John 11.25 says, Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. John 14.6 Says uh, Jesus told them, "Told him, I am the way, the truth, and the life." John five eleven. And this is the testimony God has given us: eternal life, and this life is in His Son. He is life, and He is alive. We don't we don't come to this place to study a historical co- a historical God. We come to have revelation of a living God. We don't want to just talk about something that happened a long time ago. We want to be involved with what He's doing right now. And this is what I'm asking you to join me in, what God is doing in the earth right now. And so what I want to encourage you guys to do is seek the Lord this, for now, we'll say this whole month, unless he changes his mind and wants us to do it longer. This is what I'm here for the Lord. If that includes giving up food, you know, I don't want you to get sick or anything, but you do what you need to do. I'm just telling you, I'm I'm not telling you, I'm asking you and I'm encouraging you to seek with me um, this, this direction that we're going. Now, what comes with that is completely up to you. I am have no place to govern you on what you fast and what you do. What I'm asking you to do is to just, just fast towards that. Now, what's cool is at the end of this when we have communion, we're going to talk about what we feed on. He's the bread of life. He's what will sustain us. He is more important than just physical food. And so we've, we've, got, we've got to get out of the mindset, and we've talked about plugging into the wrong things. It's like we have an umbilical cord and we plug into Everything. To feed us. Well, this person feeds me, and this emotional thing, and this thing, or this accomplishment feeds me. And we've got to get we've got to get out of this mindset about me, 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 me. And we need to get in the mindset of turn the furnace up seven times hotter. I know who my God is. I know what I'm doing, and I know my purpose in this earth, and I know where I'm going. It's not all about me. And so the sacrifice comes as a natural byproduct of going towards something. It, that's not the end goal. I don't want you to starve yourself to starve yourself and feel better about yourself. That's why he told us don't make yourself look, oh, I'm so hungry. Whew, I've been fasting for like two days. Oh, I'm so holy. That's making it about us again. But all the way back in Isaiah, he was saying, fast like I tell you how to fast. feed the poor, to help, you know, to clothe the naked, to, to love those that aren't loved. We fast for a purpose This makes so much clearer for me in fasting now. And thank you, Melvin and Libby, for, <laughs> for leading me towards that because I would have never really studied fasting if I wouldn't have looked at communion. But fasting makes so much more sense that we fast for a purpose now. We fast for a reason, and it's not about us. We're fasting so that we can love other people, so we can pour it out, so that we have a goal and a purpose, and we're doing something on this earth. We're not just talking about it. So, corporately, the the, the theme or, or what I'm focused on is unity within this body, in an agreement, and then continued unity with other churches and with with uh, our community, so that we can reach out to the community. That's the main theme. Now, specifically, you guys are gifted in different areas, and I don't know I don't know all of those areas, but what I'd like to I'd like to get to know those areas, and I'd like to help you live out your purpose in that. In the midst of this community of believers, does that make sense? Does that sound fair? I need you. <laughs> I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna hold back. I need people because there's only so much that that we can do. Um, but together, think think about. Oh, wait, 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 wait. This is really good. I think I skipped over it. Think about what a difference they made. Oh, there was another. There was another prayer and fasting. I have to find it. But it was when they were, I think it was when they were electing Barnabas or Barbas. They prayed and fasted for him. Anyway, it was when, when him and, and Paul got together, which was Saul at the time. And it was like one of the most life-changing events because it was a world-changing event because they went out and just shared the gospel and changed the whole world. And they were praying and fasting towards that. I must have written it down and left it in the office. But, um, but it was for a specific reason and a purpose. In the same way, every, t- every time I see fasting, I see them going towards something. And so I want you guys to keep that in mind. As you fast and however that looks to you, whatever, that's between you and the Holy Spirit. I'm not going to dictate that. But I'm asking you to fast towards something. And we're going to continue to talk about it and grow in it. And we're going we're to we're make a difference in everything that we do. So if you guys stand up with me, I'm going to pray over you. Um, and guys, continue. If, if you guys want to study more about fasting and you find something, man, call me or text me. And we'll talk about it because it's, it's interesting. The more I read into it, the more consistent it is with with going towards something and everything they did even down to jesus doing it and i think um even in the same way he, he had a specific purpose and a mission in what he was doing so father we thank you for this time today father we just uh we just pray that you continue to open our eyes to opportunities father that just as as i get lost sometimes in working on things i look up and I haven't eaten in in 12 hours Father, that we would see your purpose as much bigger than just a project or just something temporary, but we're advancing your kingdom. Father, I pray that you will just uh, open our eyes to that as we go out of this place. Father, that this is, this is just the beginning of what you're going to do through us as a body corporately and, and what you're going to do with us individually. Father, as we go out and we begin to change the world for you, it doesn't take it doesn't take that many people, and we've got more than enough in here to make a difference. Father, open our eyes and our hearts. Father, we submit to you because your way is better, not reluctantly and not, not hesitantly. Father, we know that your way is good. And so that as we go, we submit to your way. We make our plans, but you guide our steps. And Father, as a church, we submit that to you. This is your church, your body, and we are your people. So as we go out and we begin to minister to other churches, um, Father, they need, they need encouragement too, and we begin to minister to people. Father, every walk of life that we run into, Father, we just, uh, we just carry your Holy Spirit and we change the atmosphere everywhere we go. Father, we, uh, we claim right now your righteousness and, and uh, your authority, Father, and it's not, it's not our own, but it's yours. And so when we go out, um, we, we bring your kingdom with us, and we thank you for that. In Jesus' name, amen.